0: what is up, you guys? My name is Bethany. This is House of Affliction Podcast, and today we have the first episode ever of this podcast series. So today I have such a special guest, you guys, and her name is Janet. Such a sweet lady with such a powerful testimony that I'm so grateful she was willing to share with not just me, but with you guys as well. I really believe that it's going to be used in mighty ways. And just a quick background of how I really got to know Janet. I've known her for about two weeks, which is crazy. I feel like I've known her my whole entire life. And I actually met her husband through Uber and it just kind of unfolded and it was such a God thing. And so I feel super blessed and believe that she's not only supposed to be a part of my life, but that House of Affliction needed her as well, that you guys needed her and her story. This is
1: Janet. <laughs> Hi, my name is Janet. and uh, a little bit about myself. I am 48 years old. I'm married. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been married. Uh, this year will be 19 years. We have a son that's 24 and a daughter-in-law that's 23. And I, I'm, I was brought up in, a, in church. I was brought up. My dad was a pastor, mm-hmm. and so I was at church. Every time the doors opened, <laughs> it's a lot of times when the doors wasn't open. Uh, so I knew all the things that a, quote, Christian, unquote, needed to do, needed to say. Uh, so, uh, but I, I went through a very dark time as an adult. Uh, unfortunately, I had two failed marriages. And when I married my husband now, we went through, I went through a very trying time with my health and ended up getting very depressed and not mm. realizing that I was in a very deep, dark depression. And during that time, I knew the Lord. Uh, I knew that, you know, I prayed, but I didn't, I did not, I would say, uh, I did not heed his calling and heed his words. And I came to a point where my son was We have one child, as I said, and he was trying his wings out, so to say, and he was pretty much everything, and I unfortunately put him ahead of my husband and sometimes ahead of God, which is not right at all, but uh, I did that, and with my health failing and Christopher spreading his wings, I became into a deep, dark depression, and we went on a trip to Washington, DC, which is something Christopher wanted to do his whole life. Mm. I can't tell you, Bethany, anything about the trip except for one thing. We were at um, one of the sites there and we went on one side and then I was tired and complaining that we were walking. So I sat down and they went on and they came back and I was totally asleep and my purse was wide open. Of course, they were very concerned and Mm. um, they took me back to the hotel. So that I could rest and they could go on and do their own thing. And when we came home, like I said in the past, or just a few minutes ago, Christopher was my world. And and how this happened, I don't know. But he made a statement. I asked him something. He responded. And I literally pulled my car over and told him to get out. Now, here he was, 17. Um, We were probably 20 minutes from our hometown in Conway. And... Luckily, my husband was in front of us and saw me pull over and picked him up because I look back and think, oh, my goodness, would I really let mm. him there? Mm. And I don't know. Um, that night, I did not get off at their exit. I drove about 45 minutes to a town, turned around, then drove back another hour and a half and then came back into Conway. And the whole time I was just thinking, you know, if I wasn't here, Chip wouldn't have to worry about me. You mm. wouldn't have to worry about me my health christopher wouldn't have to worry about me trying to um, be in his life and so they would just be better off and i got off the exit and i'd had surgery a couple of months before that and why i had these pain pills in my purse i have no idea but um i just decided that in there i was going to take what i had left over and i would be out of the suffering and chip and christopher and my mom and dad and family would be much better off and I was on an access road, and I literally could hear the devil going, this is what you need to do. But I could hear God calling, That's, this isn't mm-hmm. right. I have so much more for you. Mm-hmm. And I battled with that. Probably, it seemed like forever, but it was probably not even a fourth of a mile. Mm-hmm. And I took the pills from my hand, and I counted them, and I threw half of them out the window. And um, I got to a parking lot, and I took them. And I had taken six um, hydrocodones, I think the, 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 was 100 milligrams, I'm not mm. sure, but a piece. I called my husband to tell him that I loved him and to make sure CRISPR was taken care of. And that was, and I hung up, not realizing that that was enough time on the phone for them to trace my call. Right. And the next thing I knew, the police and the ambulance were there and I was being taken to, um, the hospital to drink a cup of charcoal, which is absolutely Ew. the worst thing <laughs> that I've ever so, put in my so mouth. Gross. <laughs> I mean it was like at home uh. like, I'm done and they're like, No, you're not done and so during the next month my mom and Chip were with me one of the two, 24 hours a day. They had to sign a piece of paper saying that uh, they would take care of me and At the end, I was really tired of it because I was like, I can't even go to the restroom by myself. But that's how much love that they had for me. And I look back and think, I still can't realize that I was that depressed. But I know the signs now that when the devil tries to tell me I'm unworthy, which he so often does, that I know that I'm God's child. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's taken me a long time in counseling and prayers and, um, talks with my friends, but God had a purpose for me the day he formed me in my Mm. mother's womb. And even though I'm on disability, I I have health issues, God still has a purpose for Mm. me. And it's amazing that, you know, I, I look back and think I called myself a Christian and I was, you know, praying and I was reading my Bible, but I wasn't allowing God to truly speak to me mm. to to hear him say that he I was a child of his. Right. And that and I'm going to go back to a a saying I heard my whole life when I was a child, God doesn't make any junk. Hmm. And um it I still have, you know, I still struggle every once in a while with depression and not, you know, but I know that there is a purpose for each stage of my life. Right. And um, I can use my disabilities, you know, my, my pain that I go through for His glory because, like, I, there's always someone out there worse than me mm-hmm. and that's suffering. Yeah. Um, i yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I kind of wanted to ask, you know, with, with going back through and kind of, in a way, having to relive those moments and really think through how did I get there Um, and I I know that you were saying that you don't remember anything about that trip can you think of specific instances or situations that led you to that point or was it kind of just so sudden that all of a sudden you were at this place mentally where you were like
1: I don't even want to be here anymore Um, I, looking back on it, I can see the first of the year I was very sick. I couldn't hold anything down Mm -hmm. for over six weeks before they realized I had celiac, um, which is a weed allergy. And so, I mean, I lost down to like 98 pounds Mm and, um, I'm five foot tall. So yes, I still, but you could tell I was (laughs) sick. I mean, my eyes were sunken in and, um, I think that, and then with Christopher, Spreading his wings and wanting more independence, mm. and me just giving all to that. You know, being so scared of what would happen. You know, when he left the house, is is Chip still going to be? You know, we're going to be as happy. You know, right. do we really know each other? And then uh, an incident happened over the summer with Christopher, and it it just blew me to. The, I mean, just hurt mm. me to the core, and. I think that the whole year, because this happened in September, uh, I think the whole year it was leading up, but I just didn't realize it, and my temp was on a Sunday. That Monday, I got very, I I would say I had a breakdown then, and we called one of our pastors, and Chip did, one of our pastors and his wife, and they came over, and, you know, I even addressed it there, but I was like, I would never do this, Mm. and so I I think it was gradually. I just didn't realize it. Right. And my family didn't necessarily realize it because it was a gradual but mm. that mo I never except for that Monday, I never thought about it until that night that everybody would just be better off about. Yeah. It. So the depression itself I think happened gradually, but the the thought, mm. the actions was just an instant. An yeah. instant.
0: And I mean, I'm just, you know, I I think back to when I was in that similar headspace as well. I have never really put it like that. Um, I think it's really hard for me, even now, to address the whole form of depression. Mm-hmm. I think that with society... And with pride, like with all these factors, depression just sounds like something no one wants to admit to. But I think if we aren't willing to admit it, if we get ourselves in a really dangerous place. And for me as well, you know, that was just never a thought that crossed my mind. Like my family, my friends, everyone would be better off. I would be happier not here anymore until that moment, you know, and so... It's scary because I I think not only about myself but about other people who just continuously are kind of, like, masking the depression, you know? And and they're not willing to, to, I guess, address it. They're not willing to confront it. They're not willing to talk about it. And so, man, like, how do they see that coming? How do they? Because, unfortunately, the rates of suicide these days is it's way too high it's way too high and that just means that the enemy has that stronghold of that slow progression and in that in that particular moment of when someone decides to just try too many people succeed yes and you know I I believe just with the conversations that you and I've had like we're both so eternally grateful for the fact that we're sitting yes here yes. right now like it's yes it is a miracle that you're able to even share this and and we know that and my heart just breaks for the people that
1: that was not their reality you know me too and i read an article the other a while back and it just absolutely stunned me that the percentage of suicides from 10 years old and up are growing at a substantial rate. And I just sit back and think, I mean, when I was 10 years old, be my dad, uh, I mean, I was dry, you know, go to school, get home, ride my bike down the road. Mm -hmm. And things have so much changed that, you know, even my nephew came over the other day and he rode his bike down the road to his friends. And I was like, did he make it? You know, society has changed so much. And I agree with uh, also society doesn't always acknowledge that depression is a real thing right there's some people that have a situational depression mm-hmm. but then there's also some that are clinically depressed right the serotonin i don't know all that stuff yeah <laughs> i mean i've heard it but i couldn't quote yeah. it it is definitely and those that go through it sometimes feel like you know their family's not going to accept it right and so they push that under the rug mm. And I, I think it's sad because there is help out there. Mm. You know, talk to a friend, talk to a pastor. Right. Go to counseling if if you're able to do that. Oh,
0: absolutely. And and with that, you know, with people, whether you're a kid, an adult, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. You know, and we could look at the stats and see what are the more common ages and all that. But at the end of the day, any person who is struggling and yet you know, like it talks about First Peter 4, we're all going to suffer. It just is going to look different in everyone's lives. But in this particular topic of suicide and depression, you know, with that shame that's attached to it and with this fear of rejection, it does lead to that bottling up and it's so dangerous. And so whether it is a counselor, a teacher, a friend, a family member it literally does not matter who it is getting able or being able to talk to someone about it and just opening up, I think allows the Lord room to bring that healing because without it, when you keep some keep something in the dark, the enemy has full control over it, you know? And, and it's so scary. And I look back to when I, I was in that place I wanted so badly for everyone to believe that I had it all together. You know, that I was the perfect child, perfect student, perfect athlete. And because of that, because I was so scared of what other people would think, it did. It led to that really, really dangerous spot. And I just think of all the people who, if they just knew how accepting some people are, you know, um, And whether people go to church or not, you know, because I'm believing that people who don't go to church and who don't believe in the Lord are going to be listening to this. And I honestly kind of just want to say something to you guys is that if it's not in church, there's so many tools. There are so many avenues to get help. And you're not less of a human being for needing help. In fact, I think it takes so much courage to admit that you need help. Yes. and, man, I just wish that I would have been willing to do that, to set the pride aside.
1: I agree. And one thing that um, my counselor had me do was write down my trigger points. What are things hmm. that um, I know are going to upset me? And, you know, at that point in time was when I called my husband or my son and they didn't answer. Or I texted and said, I need you to call. And they didn't, you know for my husband, I was like, is he, you know, what's he doing? Why isn't he calling me back? Uh, uh, And there was just different things. But after that was like one thing she asked me to do. And then like the next week she's like, okay, I want you to go now. And for every trigger, what type of emotion, and then find a scripture that goes with that, you know? Uh, So like, with the chip and crisper thing, not me, not them not responding, you know, abandonment. I felt like I was I was mm-hmm. being abandoned. So I found the scripture that, um, that would go with it. So when that's happened, I could mm-hmm. literally quote these scriptures and I kept that with me for so long. Um, it's gotten lost. So I wish I. but I need, you know, I still, it's a good exercise for you to do. And, mm-hmm. and even as Bethany said, those that don't go to church, um, You know, identify your trigger points. Find out what, and you may not know them all, and that's okay. You know, it may be one thing that's causing it. Mm. But being able to talk to someone or being able to know, okay, this is going to, if this happens, Mm -hmm. this is going to happen. is so vital. If you could go back,
0: what do you think is something you would want to tell yourself? When you look back. Um, you know, in the specific moment that you described earlier, and how hard that was?
1: Being a Christian, I, I would look, mm. I mean, I tell myself, you know, I am worthy. I mm. am I am worthy of my family's love. I'm worthy of God's love. Uh, because that was the biggest thing that I, I deal with is my unworthiness. And so I think that, and if you're not a Christian, please know that there, you are worthy Mm. of, you're worthy of a savior who sent his son Jesus to Mm. die on the cross Mm. to save you so that you can live eternally with him. Mm. And please reach out to us if you want more information. Yes. And And kind of just really quickly
0: going off of the trigger points, which is such a cool idea. I mean, because I think that you're forcing yourself to think through why am I even having these thoughts mm-hmm. um, instead of just accepting them, you're replacing them with truth, you know, and if that is from the word, I just see the power that's within that. But if it's not, you know if that's not where you're at right now, then at least you're giving yourself that feeling of control over your own thoughts, you know exactly. because you can you can shut it down and you can recognize it for what it is, which are lies. And I just think I was trying to think through, I don't know, my perception of maybe why people go through this, like why, what leads people to feeling uh, depressed or feeling like they're not worthy of life, feeling like people are better off without them, relationships are better off without them and, and all of these things. And kind of just what my thoughts were, and I don't know, Jenna, if you would have any other ones, but. Relationship struggles, you know, dealing with a really hard breakup, you know, whether it's that you were dumped or you were cheated on or maybe you were the one who, who messed up and caused that relationship to end or financial burdens, financial struggles, you know, the amount of debt that people are in these days. And it when they can't really see a way out, I think that money controls our lives and Absolutely. we see that all over the place. And then I do believe, you know, the struggles with sexuality, being confused and, and not wanting to address it with anyone because you're scared. And I don't know what that's like. And I, I'm sure that it, it's so hard, but I believe that those people need to know that living in the dark is just going to make it harder. Absolutely.
1: Um, Absolutely. Uh, adding to that, you know, health issues, mm. uh, you know, it, it and it could be. Mm. a long term health issue or a short term you know right. um can and and I'll speak for me my my personal i've always been very i've always worked since the day I could i was you know very su- financially supporting our family and then all of a sudden boom, it's done mm. I'm not able to do that anymore and you know the besides the health issues then the feeling of unworthiness and, right. and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So um that that's another big thing I think. I think that people that are in, you know, step parents that with mm-hmm. stepchildren, I was so fortunate that my husband just picked Christopher up and treated him as his own. Now right. there was still struggles because but If you have a parent that, you know, like a step parent, then there's struggles there. And I know that goes back to relationships or if a parent has all of a sudden fallen out, not passed away, but fallen out of their lives, you know, just those type of things as well. And even a death in the family. Mm. Any type of loss. Yeah. Any type type of loss. I I think
0: um, something that I've learned, I feel like specifically over the past year, is the importance of grief. You know, it's so important to grieve through and accept things. And, you know, there's different processes and loss doesn't necessarily mean that someone has died. It can very well mean that someone has left your life, you know, Mm -hmm. because there are certain seasons that people are meant to be in our lives and then they're meant to move on. And and I do really firmly believe that sometimes it's loss of a community loss of a place, loss of an experience. I mean, it just goes on and on. And I just believe that it's so much easier to not want to deal with those things Mm -hmm. and just say, oh, I'll be fine. It's fine. It's life. People die. People come. People go. And then you just find yourself months, years down the road, then having to go through that process. And I think that it, it definitely takes a toll on your mental well-being, physical well-being, spiritual well-being, all of it. I think that it's all, I don't know, it's all included and it, it does all have an impact. And 100%, like Janet just said, if there's anyone that's listening that's going through something, you know, whether it's necessarily related to this specific topic or not, we are here to tell you about just this great news that for each of us has changed our lives drastically and brought us from dark to light and we would love the chance to get to talk to you more about what that looks like and and do know cuz if i could go back it would be the same thing the same exact thing and i believe that that there's a reason for that mm-hmm. connectiveness i believe that it's a trend you know people just genuinely feel insecure and they feel unworthy of love and there's so many reasons um, and contributions and circumstances as to why that's the case, but the feeling of unworthiness is such a lie. Every single one of us was designed exactly the way that we are, from the color of your hair, to your skin tone, to your name. I mean, everything about you, your upbringing, where you live, the house you grew up in, your siblings, everything serves a purpose. And Everyone that's listening, everyone just has to know that there is a plan for your life. Therefore, you are so worthy of the life that you've been given. And we didn't do anything to deserve the life that we have, the things that we have, the people that we have. But all of it belongs and all of it's meant to be used for something much greater than our own lives. So
1: Janet, why do you believe you had to go through all of that? I believe that I went through it, and that God saved me from what could have happened, mm. so that one day I could use my experience to help others. And, and, and I'm not a counselor; I'm not mm. a psychiatrist, right. but I I know the signs of depression. I and I've been there, right? And I, to help you know help others see that there is light, there is hope. Mm. The last thing.
0: That not only do I want to say, but I know and believe that you want to say too is just a reminder. We've talked a lot about, you know, all of us having a purpose, all of us having a place and that we're worthy and that we're we're loved. But seriously, like, that's not just something that sounds good. We, as people, have to get it not just engraved in our brains, but in our hearts that we're not alone that we're seen and that we are so, so loved. And so you guys listening to this, know that you're not alone. You are never alone. You've never been alone, not at any single point of your life where you left by yourself. There is someone who saw where you were, who sees where you're at and who sees where you're going to be. And you're so loved. There's a heart for you. We love you, but ultimately even more than, than we could ever express a love for another person. The Lord loves you so much, so deeply. No matter what you've done, the mistakes that you've made, even the mistakes that you're still making. You know, we're all sinners. We all mess up. It's just, It's just the reality, but that doesn't compromise the love that exists for us. This is... This isn't a light topic to talk about, but I right. hints why no one wants to talk about it. So with that, we, Janet and I want to direct anyone that's listening to, I believe, a tool that's been given to us by the Lord. A tool that exists for a reason, and that would be a hotline, a number for anyone who is experiencing suicidal thoughts who knows someone that is experiencing suicidal thoughts if someone is attempting or contemplating you know suicide anything there's a phone number that exists for a reason and it's so that you can call and talk to someone and just be so open about what you're going through and this phone number is 1-800-273-8255 the National Suicide Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. Well, I kind of just wanted to take a moment and recognize that this is a real thing and just honestly do what I know to do, you know, for people that are going through some, some hard stuff. And the best thing we can do is we can pray. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for anyone that's listening who's going through some of the things that we've talked about. So Lord, I just thank you so much for avenues of getting to talk about your truth and to spread your word. And Lord, I just pray for anyone that's listening that's going through depression, suicide, anxiety, whatever it is. Lord, I just pray that they could feel your touch through this or that they could feel you reminding them of their worthiness and lord i just pray that they feel the amount of love that you have for them and i pray that they have the boldness and the courage to step out in faith and go and seek help i pray that you open up doors for that help i pray that they are just willing to walk through it and i pray that you give them a support system right now lord exactly where they're at whether it's friends or family or professionals whatever they need lord i just pray that God, that you give it to them and they accept it with open hands. Mm -hmm. Lord, just continue to work in their lives. Remind them of the purpose that you have for them. I pray that if anyone doesn't know who you are, that somehow this message flipped on a switch, turned on a light, whatever, Lord, and that they can sense that there is a greater power, a greater being, a greater purpose than just us. That life is so much bigger than just us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys. Well, that was it for the first episode. I I hope that you not just enjoyed it, but really got something from it. You know, whether it was from Janet's story or whether it was just... A way that the Lord spoke to you. If you have any feedback, maybe you're interested in an interview, you feel called to share your personal story, or you need prayer for anything, you can actually email at afflictionhousepodcast at gmail.com. You can go ahead and follow at Affliction House on Instagram for updates, but definitely be on the lookout for new conversations that are coming
1: soon.